In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> now, we've been looking at the Old Testament book of Nehemiah. So we're going to invite you to take out sermon notes that have been prepared for you today. There's no such thing in your notes as opportunity without opposition. One of the great tests of leadership is just how do you handle opposition? Do you panic under pressure? Do you get uptight? Do you lose your temper? Do you blow up? Do you just give up? What do you do? See, there's no opportunity without opposition. So today we want to look at Nehemiah, chapter 4, just to see how Nehemiah handles opposition. First, we want to look at three tactics of opposition. There are many more, but these three, they're mentioned in Nehemiah, chapter 4. So number one, in your notes, the first tactic of opposition that people use to stall or to hinder a project in school, in church, in business, in offices, is ridicule. First tactic, ridicule. So look at Nehemiah 4. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry, was greatly incensed. And he ridiculed the Jews in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria. He said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Here's ridicule. Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? And Tobiah, the Ammonite, who was at his side, that means he was a sidekick, said, what are they building? Even a fox can climb up on it and he would break down the wall of stones. This is clearly an example of ridicule. This is a powerful, it's an effective tool that we, is used today. In fact, there are books today about psychological warfare in the office place or in the business. How do you psych out your competition? And of course, the world continually ridicules the church, doesn't it? It puts it down, makes fun of God's people, characterizes us as weak and ignorant and fanatical. All pastors are wimps or they're crooks. Constant, constant ridicule. Now why is ridicule so effective? In your notes, it attacks your self-esteem. Ridicule attacks our sense of self-worth. A lot of times we can handle everything except more ridicule. But notice the motive here in the text. The motive for ridicule is that really it's just a substitute for good reason. A substitute for sound reason and common sense. When people cannot reason you out of a position, they're going to ridicule you. Sanbala, he used name calling. He said those feeble Jews implies that they had selfish motives. That he made fun of their beliefs and their sacrifices. In fact, he overstates the case. All these are tools of ridicule. Next in your notes, we also notice the results of ridicule. The results are contagious. Yeah, the results are contagious. When Sambalat makes the initial ridicule, then his sidekick, Tobiah, he chimes right in. He says, me too. Even a fox could break this wall down. See, there are always people who are willing to ridicule you once somebody else 
takes the lead. They really are cowards, and they just follow along. Number two in your notes. The second tactic is resistance. The second tactic is much stronger. First tactic is ridicule. Second is organized resistance. So look at Nehemiah 4, 6 to 8. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it had reached half its height. For the people worked with all their heart. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, the men of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's wall had gone ahead, that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all did what? Plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. Now we see the opposition in your notes. The opposition is becoming more and more organized. The resistance is becoming more organized. Rather than just a couple of pot shots and a couple of critiques, we now have a conspiracy. Sanballat has all the disgruntled parties together. Sanballat and the Samaritans, they're up on the north. The Arabs, they were on the south. Tobiah and the Ammonites, they were out in the east. The men of Ashdod were on the west. The Jews were surrounded by organized opposition. Have you noticed that negative people, they do tend to gravitate together? Like birds of a feather, what? They flock together. Then notice in your notes the motive. The motive is simply to stir up trouble. They plotted to come together, fight against Jerusalem, and stir up trouble against it. Have you ever met folks like that? They can be all around. Some people feel that they actually have been called. They feel that they've been called by God to be against things. Yeah, to be troublemakers. Number three in your notes. There's a third tactic. And that's rumor. The first is ridicule. The second is resistance. The third tactic is rumor. Look at Nehemiah 4, 11 and 12. Also our enemy said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them. We will kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. A rumor feeds on the people's fears. The jest of this rumor is, we're going to get you from all sides. Sort of like stock market panics today. Rumors excite panic. There are two characteristics here of a rumor. In your notes, number one, they're always spread by those closest to the enemy. Yeah, they are spread closest to the enemy. Nehemiah says, the Jews who live near them, the Jews who live near the enemy, they were the ones who were the most negative. What happens when you're around negative people all the time? Well, you become negative. You become infected. The point is that if Satan can get anybody inside the camp and saying, it can't be done, it can't be done, it infects all the others. One pastor was saying in, the, in his church, in his church he has a bucket committee. Yeah, he has a bucket committee. What is that? When anyone has a good idea, this, com- <clears throat> this committee comes and throws water on it. They're against it, always. Number two, rumors in your notes. Also are always exaggerated the more they're repeated. They're exaggerated the more they are repeated. In verse 12 it says, They told us ten times over. What happens when a rumor is exaggerated ten times over? 
Well, people start to believe it. See, Hitler found that out. When you tell a lie long enough, people will start to believe it. The point is that the negative always gets exaggerated in a project. Good leaders, therefore, never swallow rumors. You might chew on them, but you don't swallow them. Now, what is the effect of, of the opposition? Please read with me now, Nehemiah 4, verses 10 to 12. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies will attack us. Now, when you are working hard, you're bombarded by ridicule and resistance and rumors, you're going to get discouraged. The result is more discouragement. And when is discouragement going to occur? Looking back in verse 6, it says, So we rebuilt the wall to what reached what? Half its height. And discouragement then in your notes will usually come about halfway. About halfway through the project. By the way, how many of you have unfinished projects around your house? Raise your hand if you have an unfinished project in your house. This is a confession time. You get halfway up a mountain, and what happens? You look back and say, we better turn back. You get halfway through life, and what you have what? You have a midlife crisis. Halfway through, yes, you get discouraged. So let me quickly give you four causes of discouragement in the areas of ministry in the church. In your notes, number one, fatigue. It says that the strength of the laborers is giving out because it's hard work. There's no coffee breaks. Long days, double duty, and they're just getting tired. Number two in the back of your notes. The second cause, frustration. Frustration gets them discouraged also. It says that there was so much rubble. Have you ever had that building project? Piles and piles of building debris lying around. In the building of these walls, there was simply rubble everywhere. And guess what? They got discouraged. Number three. In your notes, the third cause is failure. Failure. He said, we cannot rebuild. So when you're tired, everything begins to look impossible. Vince Lombardi, he once said, fatigue makes cowards of all of us. Number four is fear. Fear, they said, enemies are going to attack us. These four, fatigue, frustration, failure, and fears will cause discouragement. So what do you do when you get discouraged? What's the right response when you are under attack? We now want to look at just four things what to do when under attack. Number one in your notes, rely on God. Yeah, you got to rely on God. Look at Nehemiah's prayer in verse 4. Hear us, O our God, for we are despised. Nehemiah is praying to God when under opposition and attack. When you are under ridicule, you do not suppress it. Rather, you confess it. You rely on God. And you don't get caught up in the name-calling game. When called feeble Jews, Nehemiah did not respond, oh, you feeble Samaritans. No, instead of calling names, he relies on God. In your notes, we have a leader's law. It says, don't take it out on people. Rather, Talk it out with God. Don't take it out on people. That would be dumb. If you do, you're no better than the people who are ridiculing you. Don't take it out on people. Talk it out with God. So you rely on God. 
And Nehemiah, he was a man of prayer. He automatically relied on God. Step number two, what you should do when you're under attack. Respect the opposition. Nehemiah respected the opposition. Look at Nehemiah 4, verse 9. But we pray to our God and posted the guard day and night to meet this threat. That's a healthy respect. Nehemiah said there are two parts to this. Number one, they did, and you know, the prayerful thing. They did the prayerful thing. They prayed to God. And number two, there was the practical part. They posted a guard day and night. They did the practical thing. They prayed and posted the guard. They didn't just lie in bed and say to God, protect me. They got up and locked the door. They did both. Oliver Cromwell said, trust God, but keep your powder dry. That's true. In the New Testament, you have that reoccurring phrase in your notes, watch and pray. The New Testament knows about opposition. There are many, many warnings from, about Satan. Jesus said it. Paul said it. John said it. Peter said it. Over and over, watch and pray. Watch is the human part. Post the guard. Pray is the divine part. So number one, you rely on God. Number two, you respect the opposition. In your notes, number three, you reinforce your weak points when you are under attack, when your family is under attack, when your project is under attack. You must reinforce the weak points. Look at Nehemiah 4, verse 13. Therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords and spears and bows. See, Nehemiah is reinforcing his weak points. Do you know your weak points? Do you know the weak points in your home, in your business, in your family? How did Nehemiah reinforce the weak points? Look at Nehemiah 4, verses 16 to 18. Nehemiah writes, From that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears and shields and bows and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand, held a weapon in the other, and each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. So Nehemiah had everything, everyone doing two things. They did their work, and they carried their weapons. Here's the leader's law that you need to get today. Write it down. Leaders must build and battle at the same time. Because every time you start building for God, you're asking for a battle. Satan will respond. So you build and you battle at the same time. Next we notice that Nehemiah posted the people by families. Underline those words, by families. Why did he do that? Because when you're under attack, you absolutely need support. It's one of the benefits of small groups and Bible classes. When you're in a small group or a Bible class, you're less vulnerable to Satan's attacks. Number one, you rely on God. Number two, you respect the opposition. Number three, you reinforce your weakest points. And finally, number four, when under attack, you need to reassure the people. Reassure the people. So look at Nehemiah 4, verse 14. 
Nehemiah writes, After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, the rest of the people, Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome. And fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. So Nehemiah is rallying the troops. He's raising the morale. What are the three words that Nehemiah used? In your notes, remember what? The Lord. He says, remember the Lord. And that's where our confidence comes from. You know, there's a lot of wars that have been fought on slogans. The Spanish-American War was what? Remember the Maine. World War I was remember Lusitania. In Texas, it was remember the... I'm getting a little participation here. And in the World War II, is remember Pearl Harbor. So when we're under attack of Satan, Nehemiah says we are to remember the Lord. Remember Jesus who suffered and died on the cross for us. Remember Jesus who arose from the dead, who ascended into heaven, who rules at the right hand of God the Father. Remember the Lord. Nehemiah helps us to see the Lord. It's great awesome. And when you and I have an awesome God, we do not have to be afraid. So don't be afraid. And you notice the point is, respect and fear of God. Respect and fear of God replaces any fears of men. When you have an awesome God, you're not going to fear other people. So in conclusion, we ask you the question, what does the devil want you to give up on? Let me share with you an old legend about the devil. One day, Satan had a garage sale. Now, this is a legend. It's not in the Bible. One day, Satan had a garage sale. He was selling all of his tools. Lying, hatred, malice, lust, greed, envy, jealousy, pride. And way in the corner, there was one tool. That one tool was priced out of sight. No one could afford to buy it. It was in your notes. The devil's chief tool tool of, write this down, discouragement. And why is this tool of discouragement priced so high by Satan? Satan says, this is my most important tool against the church today. Satan loves to get you discouraged. So what's the fundamental principle for your Christian life? In your notes, write this down. Don't give up. Don't give up. A discouraged Christian is a very ineffective Christian. You've taken your eyes off the Lord. So may Nehemiah's slogan also be your slogan. Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. Amen.